no surprises. We're looking at Mark 16 today. But has anyone read it before this morning? Because there's some stuff already, if you've read it, it might be a little confusing. Because the New Testament was compiled from over 5,000 manuscripts, some of them the size of a postage stamp, just little pieces, and some of it whole books and, and slabs, and they use them as, as references to each other. And there's amazing synergy. There's, a, there's an amazing agreement between those documents. You'd almost go as far to say it, it was kind of God-inspired, strangely enough. As they look at those, the, the documents all line up. However, Mark 16 is one of the very few places where it doesn't line up quite so easily. And some documents have a, a longer version for Mark 16. Some documents have a shorter version, and some have even a slightly shorter version. So when they compiled all these documents and had all the different versions of Mark that they could find, they was like, oh, there's differences between them. This is really unusual. And so what they've done is they've gone, well, let's look for the, the original, the, the oldest of these documents. Let's go back to the old ones, because surely if they were copying them, they started with an older one and duplicated them to new ones. And when you look at the older ones, it actually stops at verse 9, uh, sorry, verse 8. And as we get to verse 8, you realize it doesn't make sense to finish at verse 8. What's, what's the go? Why, why would you finish at verse 8? And they suspect that that's why there's additional verses, because it just didn't make sense to finish at verse 8. It's highly unlikely that Mark wrote, Mark wrote the other verses. They don't fit his style. They don't fit his themes. Aspects of it don't even quite fit his theology. So they say it's highly unlikely that verse 9 to 20 um, were, were written by Mark. But the question is, was that how Mark intended to finish it? Did he intend to finish it in the middle of a half-finished story that wasn't complete? And some say, yes, yep, it was by design, and we'll get to that. Some say that maybe, maybe there was persecution or he died and didn't get to finish it. And others say that maybe the last page got ripped out as it got moved around and transported and it just wore out and, and the last page fell out. And so that's why we don't have the, the ending of the book. But the reason I bring that right up front is because, and, and this is kind of the message today, we can easily focus on what we don't have. <laughs> we can easily focus on the bits that we don't, we don't know the answer. And nobody knows the answer to it. We can guess, we can speculate, we got a bit of data to, to try and point us in a direction. But the answer is we don't know. And the sad part is sometimes that's all we focus on, the bits we don't know. And we lose sight of the fact that Mark had intention when he wrote the book. And we've spent 17 weeks looking at that intention. And I don't want to get distracted by what we don't know, but look at what we do know. So I'm going to start there, but we're not going to focus on the fact that verse 9 to 20 may or may not have been written early or was added or all that stuff. There's so much there that we, we can focus on that we don't need to be distracted by that today. Interesting conversation, not particularly fruitful. So um, I'm actually going to go to the end of um, Mark 15 because we didn't quite finish that off last time, uh, two weeks ago. So we're going to start at verse 42. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Now, this is quite profound because you might have realized that the day before, the whole of the Sanhedrin agreed to kill Jesus. They, they had a mission plan. 
This guy was part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of the council. And the phrase, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, might sound like a throwaway phrase, because all, all Jews are waiting for the Messiah. That's pretty standard practice. But in this case, there's actually something more significant, and they're pointing to the fact that he wasn't towing the line. This is a, this is a bit of a rebellious move. He saw who Jesus was, and he was bold enough. You know, they crucified the last guy that um, was coming along this, these lines, but he was bold enough to go to Pilate and ask for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Now, this is again very significant because there's clearly witnesses to Jesus' death. There's some people, even modern day people, who kind of go, well, Jesus didn't actually die. It was, you know, it was a, a spiritual thing and he looked like he died. And, you know, they, they're trying to work out another solution to the problem. But here we have the centurion has convinced Pilate. He said, I saw him, he's dead. Joseph from Arimathea has got the dead body. And these women have also witnessed where they laid his body. There's no confusion about Jesus dying. This was significant to Pilate that he was actually dead. So we, we know he actually died. Okay. And then we get to chapter 16. So that's kind of the preparation, I guess. When the Sabbath was over, so we've had Saturday, it's come and gone. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. So Sabbath finishes at sunset and they've gone out Saturday after sunset to buy some spices. Now this isn't like the Egyptians where they embalmed the body to try and preserve it. This is, this is buying spices to make it smell nice. It's a, it's a, it's a dedication. It's a, it's a sign of respect to put spices on the body and make it smell nice. It strangely links up with the pouring out of perfume on Jesus' feet a little earlier in Mark. And we can see a little bit of a match there of, of this worship that's happening in this space. Um, but it was, was a tradition. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Now, that's a very um, deliberate line there too. Because it talks about who's not there. Why would they have trouble moving the stone? There's no men. They're on their own. There's, these three women have gone there on their own. The guys have bailed. The guys are hiding. This is the scenario they find themselves in. The reason that sentence is so profound is because all the disciples have bailed and these three women are on their own. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed, he said. Really interesting first line, isn't it? It's confirmed in the other Gospels that this was an angel, and the Greek word for angel directly translates to messenger from God. 
So this is a messenger sitting on the end of the bed or, or where the tomb was laid. And the first thing he says to them is, don't be alarmed. This is, a, again, a pattern that Mark picks up constantly through the book. And constantly we have this first approach to everything that Mark that Jesus does. The significance of the person he's talking to. It would be really easy to say, I've got some news for you. But the first thing that this angel says is, don't be alarmed. Why? Because these people are significant. And the angel is communicating their significance first and wants to speak into that space, but wants to acknowledge who they are first. Not coming in just to tell them how it is, but want to acknowledge their significance and their value and their identity. And that's what he does first. Amazing. You see it all the time. If you look back through the interactions of Jesus with people, this is often the first place that he starts at. And again, this angel reinforces that. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, I just want to just pause for a second because we've had this constant message over the last 17 weeks, but it still remains profound. The kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus is coming to establish, doesn't fit the way we expect things to be. There's a sense that these women, well, all women at the time, were very unreliable sources of a testimony. Culturally, that's how it was. If you had a court case, you wouldn't get a woman up to testify on your behalf because they didn't have credibility. At the time, I'm, I'm not saying that's the case now, but at the time, they had no credibility. But this is really profound because this is, again, being reinforced time and time again. Do you remember back to who the first person who got who Jesus was? A Syrophoenician woman, a woman that wasn't a Jew and was a woman. This is the sort of, we've got a pattern going on here. And do you remember who was the first one that declared that this was truly the Son of God? It's only two weeks ago. This is a bit more recent. Centurion. The centurion, a Roman centurion who's just put him up on the cross, is the first one to declare this is the Son of God. These aren't the people that are meant to be saying these things. And we've got time and time again this pattern in the book of Jesus mucking up what we expect. He's throwing a spanner in the works. And I guess sometimes that can make us feel special, but I just want to read from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. It says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. But we've got this upside-down idea that he's used these women who don't have credibility to be the messengers of this amazing miracle that's going on here. And in fact, it actually gives the story more credibility. Because if you were fabricating this story, there's no way you'd say women were the one there. 
If you're making this up, that's not, that's not the best way to sell the story. So it actually makes the story much more credible by the fact that they told it how it was. It's profound. And he says, he's risen. He's risen. I just want to read what Mark 9.1 said. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Guess what they've just witnessed? Kingdom of God arriving in great power. See the place where they laid him? And then in verse 7 it says, But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And we have again in Mark 14, 28. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. He's sticking to his story. He's doing what he said he'd do. There's no real surprises here. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. And yet here's the kicker. Let's read verse nine, uh, verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It's amazing just to see that their response to this circumstance was to be afraid, bewildered, shutting down, hiding. And we look back with hindsight and go, oh, how silly it was of them. If only they knew, if they don't they'd listened, if only they pay attention. And yet, there's something really significant for us in this space that I think God really wants us to understand and he continues to want us to understand. And that is, he wants us to walk by faith. So many times, the things that we expect, the things that we imagine, the things that we, we plan get turned upside down. And unless we're prepared to accept what God's saying above what we think, this idea of faith is undermined. These women were phenomenal. They, they stepped into this space, even though all the guys had fled already. I'm not criticizing them. But what they didn't see or what they didn't expect was the way God was going to respond, the way Jesus was going to respond in this situation. And because of that, they fled away with the wrong attitude. So they came expecting one thing. The, the person that they'd worshipped, that they'd lived with, that they'd seen do miracles, they expected to find a dead Jesus. And the hard thing is, in that space, God did something different. And we all like to think, yeah, awesome. He did something different. I'm going to embrace it. But that's not how they responded, and that's not often how we respond. We're as shocked as they are when God wants to do something different. We're as confronted and bewildered as they are when things don't go the way we hope them to or we expect them to. And yet in this space, there's an amazing opportunity to trust God with what we don't see, with what we don't understand. And Jesus said earlier in Mark 8, and I'm just jumping back to these passages because this is all just bringing to surface, bringing to light what he'd already been teaching them. There's nothing new in this place. When the Pharisees heard, this is Mark 8, 11 and 12, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. 
So what comes first? You give me the miracle and then I'll do what you want. Yeah? Jesus' response is, when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. He's grieved by this. He's grieved by this attitude. And he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. And so there's this sense of, if God, if you don't do what I expect you to do, then I don't trust you. And I can tell you there's no faith in that. There is no faith in that perspective. And in this circumstance, because it wasn't what they expected, these women walked away completely the opposite attitude to what the angel was saying. Do not be alarmed. What did they walk away doing? Be alarmed because they didn't see what God was doing in front of them. Their expectation was for something else and they didn't see it. The whole gospel is full of things that they didn't expect. Jesus' disciples were a bunch of nobodies. He didn't conquer Rome like they hoped he would. He wasn't rich and powerful. He wasn't popular and successful. In fact, in the end, he was abandoned and humiliated by everybody. He's, he's mucking around with this picture of what we expect and what he does. And in that space, he wants us to trust. I remember as a teenager, I was wrestling with something and I kind of knew I was in the wrong, but I didn't, I didn't want to let go of what I was doing. And I remember laying in the bath and praying and saying, God, if you want me to change what I'm doing, then uh, do something to my, my left foot. And I laid there and was like, well, nothing's happened. There you go, cool. I'm going to keep on sinning. Wasn't that obvious, but at the time, that's, in hindsight, that's what I was doing. I knew what I was meant to be doing and I, did, I wanted to deny it. Do you know what happened the next day? Lunchtime, rolled my ankle playing basketball, two weeks in crutches. Yeah, who's the clever cookie? <laughs> now, God is amazingly gracious. He'd already spoken to me. I already knew the answer. And yet I still put him to the test. I didn't trust him. I, didn't, I wanted more. And yes, he was gracious in the circumstance and gave me more. But he gave me more in my stupidity, not in my faith. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? I, I wasn't going to trust what he told me until he proved himself. And yet he's constantly proved himself. He actually has given us enough to trust him. And yet we still wonder, oh God, are you going to be there tomorrow? Can I trust you tomorrow? I'm in a tough circumstance. Are you faithful? We still wrestle with these questions and you go, when has he not been faithful? When has he not come through? When has he he's written, written a gospel of, of his experiences with humanity where he's always come through, he's always been faithful, he's always, he's turned things upside down, not always the way we wanted, but he's always been faithful. Now, part of our DNA as a church is to expect the unexpected. And we don't do that because we get bored easily or because we just like stirring the pot and confusing people. We do that because we believe in a God who sometimes, more than not, has things different to the way that we expected them to be. And in that space, we want to trust God. We don't want to trust our experience. We don't want to trust what we know. We want to trust him in, in what he's doing. And so we go, well, if we're not prepared to expect the unexpected, then we're not expecting God to move any different to what my control is, to what I already know. 
And so faith is actually agreeing that God is going to move and that God is going to work and God is going to move forward and his kingdom is going to grow in ways that we don't yet understand. And I'm okay with that. I can trust him even though I don't understand. I can trust him even though I don't see. I wanted to have a tangible example of this. And I was praying about this yesterday and somebody rang me up and said, I've got an amazing story I want to tell you. It's, it's phenomenal. And the conclusion of this story, I'm going to steal the person's punchline because I'm going to get them to share it. The conclusion of this story is, I just listened and obeyed. Wow. Who would have thought that listening and obeying would end up with, with these results? And yet, that's where we come back to. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because when we listen and obey, we actually can expect God to be who God is. Not expect us to be in control, but expect him to be in control. Expect him to respond the way he wants to respond, not the way we want to control him to. And so I was like, thank you, Lord, so much for this example of what it looks like. Just one example, just a little snapshot. It's not representing everything, but what it represents is walking in faith. And this is where we want to land in this passage of Mark 16, is that they didn't understand. They didn't get it. They didn't know what was going on. And yet the reason they were told not to be afraid is because God had bigger things than they expected. God had more than they could ever hope or imagine. Oh, that sounds familiar. If we limit God to our expectations, to what we see, to what we understand, to what we imagine, we're actually not walking by faith. We're walking by knowledge and by experience. And then God is only as big as my knowledge and my experience. But I know he's more than that. I know he's way more than that. And so, Bron, can I get you to come and share your uh, adventure? There's, there's a lot of little pieces to it. They're all really cool. And you know, normally if I share, I have to spend hours writing out what I need to say and all the rest of it. But Sarah prophesied over me last week and she said, Mum, you've got a gift of evangelism. You know, no longer need to write and spend hours and hours over what you need to say. God's just going to give you the words. So this is it. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's sort of there. But I'm just leaving it to God. And before I start, I'm just going to pray. We just want to thank you, God. You are just so awesome. And God, you just love us so much. And Lord, that has been so evident today with the testimonies we've already heard, just with what Heidi shared. Lord, you're just all over it. And God, we just want to praise you and thank you. And God, I want to thank you for Catalyst. What an amazing, wonderful church family. And Lord, we're not leaving. We're just sidestepping, but we are still family and God, we love this place and we love these people. And God, I just, I know you are doing bigger and better things and that things are just going to keep growing. And these guys are just going to be on fire. So God, I just thank you so much for what you're doing. Amen. So before I start, the word I, I have received from the Lord now, I've not had the gift of prophecy. I've been crying out to God for the gift of healing. I haven't wanted the gift of prophecy, but I believe God's given it to me. And the three words are... Well, I don't know if it's three words I'm counting, but let go. Let go of it. Whatever it is you've been holding on to, and it might be for a long time, I don't know, but you've got to let go of it. Now, I have been holding on to stuff for a long time, and I've let go of it. 
And I tell you what, God is so awesome because of it. Um, I've been a Christian for a long time, all my life. And I've wrestled with comparison the majority of that time. And it has held me back. It has held me back. And it's not God's plan and purpose for my life. So whatever it is you're holding on to, God wants you to let go of it. So this is a, it's a pretty huge story and I hope you're patient with me and just, we're just going to see what God does here. But we went to Israel and I think it sort of started with that. Actually, before we do, can I just read this? I'm just going to read Mark. Mark 16. This is us. This is for us. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. That's all of us. That is all of us. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. That is for us. That is for all of us. And I have wrestled, wrestled with that and wrestled with, with John fourteen twelve. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. This is Jesus. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And I've just cried out and said, God, I've asked and I haven't seen. I've prayed for people to be healed and I haven't seen it. But you say in your word that that's what we're going to do. Why are we not seeing this? So this has been part of my journey and part of my wrestle. So let me tell you what's happened. In Israel, we were traveling and I was wearing jeans and it was hot. And I was spewing. I saw these people in these pants like this, what I'm wearing. Zip-on shorts and long things. And I was spewing. I wanted those pants because they looked so much more comfortable than my jolly jeans. So I really wanted these pants. So when I came home, this one woman said they were at Kathmandu and another guy said he got his, they were Colorado. So I thought, I'm going to Kathmandu. So I go to Kathmandu and I find the pants and I think, yep, that's them. Looked at the price tag and I nearly fainted. I thought, David is going to have a major heart attack. <laughs> they're $179. And I thought, oh, ah, I can't spend that. Anyway, the woman there said, you know, we've got a sale next week, so come back next week. So I thought, yep, that's what I'm going to do. That was Wednesday just this week. So on my way to Kathmandu on Wednesday, I'm just praying. And God, you know, those pants, they just weren't quite right. They didn't have the side pocket. I, I love a side pocket to put my hand in. They didn't have the side pocket. And my heart went to a very favourite passage of mine, Psalms 37.5. You know, that he gives you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. He gives you the desires of your heart. The desire of my heart was to have a side pocket. <laughs> Sounds stupid, but that's what it was. So anyway, I'm driving along the freeway and I go to turn left. And I thought, well, before I go to Kathmandu, I'm going to just see if I can find these Colorado pants. Maybe they have a side pocket. As I turn around, turn left to go into Fountain Gate, I see Ray's Tent City. Oh, and God said to me, and you know, I've always struggled when people say God said, but I tell you, God does say, God said to me, you're not to go to Kathmandu, you'd go to Ray's Tent City. Okay, I'll go to Ray's Tent City. So I went into Ray's Tent City, and there in front of me was a clearance rack, and there was one 
pair of pants, my size, these, these pair of pants there. Now, they originally were $119, so not $179, they were $119, but they were reduced to $39. Thank you, Lord. So not only that, I also wanted a white shirt because I'd seen this lady wear this white shirt and maybe it was this stress and this problem I had with comparison. But anyway, God gives you the desires of your heart and I couldn't find it anywhere, but just as I'm about to leave, Behind these pink shirts was this white shirt and I wanted it three quarters. I want to have it long so if when I'm travelling, because I know I'm going to be travelling in the future, I need to be warm but I also need to be cool. So that's a little snippet. So it goes on though. So I'm about to leave and I needed to get sheets. I wanted to get sheets for my girls' beds. And so I had in my mind a place to go. I did not want to go into Fountain Gate. And God just said, no, you've got to go to Spotlight. Oh. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. I'm going to spotlight. And then he said to me, and you are going to hear my voice so much more clearly than you've ever heard it before. Okay, God, bring it on. So I went to spotlight. Went into spotlight and I'm looking for these sheets. I knew God had sheets for me. And I found $59 sheets on special. I think they were 150 down to 59 Queen size. I wanted doubles. I didn't want queen. I wanted doubles. Couldn't find as good a deal. I just want to quicken this part of the story up. Eventually I found $10 sheets. A set came to $28. So it was a a great bargain. It was good enough. It It was exactly what I needed. So I also needed three other things. And since coming back to Israel, I have been so time poor. I just needed everything to happen at once. So all those things, I just, oh, there, I need them. That's perfect. I need that. It was just awesome. So I go and stand in the line to wait to be served. Now there's two people serving two other people and all of a sudden this woman another staff member comes walking past me it was so significant it was huge it was really it was exactly like this and I thought I felt God saying you can pray for her and I said no way no way not here not now no way God said yes you can pray for her I said no I'm not doing it I was just saying, hurry up and get finished serving those ladies because I'm coming to you, not to her. And this woman goes around the back of the counter and she's fiddling over there and saying, fuel, these guys are not going to be finished. I'm going to be served by this woman. And all of a sudden she comes around and she goes, click, next please. God. So I go up to her and I said, you know, I just noticed your leg. You know, you look in a lot of pain. Um, are you Okay. And she was really sad. She's actually had a permanent injury. So it's not how she's been created, but she's had an injury and it's a permanent injury. I said, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I said, but I really feel, you're going to think I'm really stupid, but I really feel God wants me to pray for you. Sure, love. <laughs> Alrighty. So I just started to pray for her. As she's serving me, I'm just praying for her. So it was really easy. It was really simple. There was no one else really knew what on earth we were doing. But I was just obedient. And the biggest crux of what I have to say today is what Matt said is, it is so simple. It is not complicated. It is so, so simple. All we have to do is listen and obey. And it's not hard. Listen and obey. As she's ringing them up, the price has come as full price, not the $10. She went and checked it out. They weren't meant to be on that table, these sheets, but she said, I'm going to honour your, honor your thing. Now, She didn't get healed, but it was more about the obedience. So, look, she may still be healed. Dave wants to go and find her in in Spotlight, and we may just pray again. I don't know. She may get healed. But at that point in time, it was just about being obedient. There's so much more that has happened. I'll skip a few things. 
to Friday night. So Friday night, our Activate group, um, we're just doing life together. It was fantastic. We had an awesome night. It was great. And we just had a barbecue. Um, we played some games. And then at the end of the night, everyone had gone except – and I was just standing with Chris and Melissa and Dave was chatting with Joel and Sophie. And all of a sudden, I don't even know how this guy arrived. We just started talking to this guy with the dog. And we'd taken our dog with us, Jesse. And I'll tell you what, I am not a do- an animal person, but I am now. I am so in love with this dog of ours, Jessie. She's just amazing. She's a God thing because dogs just help communicate with other people around you. Like it just starts up conversations and that's what we're here for. We're, we're here for them, for those out there, you know. So he comes up with his dog and we just start talking to him, asking about his dog. So his name is Jack. Just chatting away. He's a plumber. He loves his work. He wants to do the best. He's, he's got his own house. He's just this incredible young kid that just blew me away. And I kept saying to God at the time, what do you want me to say to him? But nothing came. What do you want me to say to him? Nothing came. And lately I've been using tattoos. And I just think, I personally don't like tattoos, but I think God is going to use them. Sorry, sorry, Lise. That's just me. It's not, I'm not saying they're wrong or anything like that. Sorry, I should, probably shouldn't have said that. But, but God uses them. God uses them. So this guy, it's It's dark. And he's got tattoos on his leg. And I'm saying, God, I can't see his tattoos. I don't know what to say to him. What else do I say to this guy? But God didn't want me to say anything at that point of time. So all I knew about this guy was his name was Jack. And he's a plumber. And he said goodbye. And we said goodbye. And then um, comes to Saturday morning. More stuff happened, but that's not for now. So Saturday morning, Sam was was invited to a party 10 o'clock. Now, I only got the invitation on Friday. Now, I had also been invited to a party on Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. I really wanted to go to that party. I hate those, you know, buying things parties. I really don't like them at all. But I wanted to go because I hadn't seen this woman that was running it for so long and I just love her and just really wanted to see her. And so I said I was interested but I wasn't sure if I could come because of Sam's party. Eventually, I organised for Sam to go with a friend of his so that was cool. So I thought, I'm free. Annalise was working. Laura's doing something. I, I can go. This is awesome. I'm so excited. I was so excited. It was in Druin. I went to drop Sam and I did drop Sam. But on the way to dropping Sam to these friends, God said to me, I don't want you to go to the party. Oh, no. I want to go to the party. No. You're not to go to the party. Okay, Lord, I'm listening. Drop Sam off. I say, so God, well, if I'm not to go to the party, what am I to be doing? You're to go and find Jack. <laughs> what? How do I find Jack? All I know is his name, and he's a plumber, and he lives in the Grandview Estate. Now, that's a pretty large estate. I've only ever been there. I've only ever been to Melissa's house and to drive past the new house of Kate and Jeremy. I'm so excited for you guys. So that's all I knew about Grandview Estate. And God said to me, when you find Jack, we've, we've got some very dear friends and he's being diagnosed with Parkinson's. So we had a healing night for him on Thursday night, which was also awesome, but I haven't got time to share about that. But God also said to me, when you find Jack, you then need to go and pray for Brendan again. Okay, God, when I find Jack. <laughs> yeah, right. I start being obedient. I drive into the estate and I call Melissa. I said, you're going to think I'm really weird here, but I have to find Jack. Can you remember what street he lived in? Because he did tell us, but I couldn't remember. 
And Melissa says, I think it was Christy Court or something like that. Okay, okay, well, we'll just see. So I'm driving and I seriously have never heard God so clearly as I heard God yesterday. And it wasn't a loud voice. It was just in my thoughts. You know, we often question how's God speak. It's just he's always been speaking to me. I just haven't been listening. He always speaks to us. It's are we listening? So I'm driving and seriously, this is what happened. I'm driving up the street and I'm going to turn left and God says, no, not that way. Okay. All right, we go this way. So I go up this way. No, no, you got to do you. So I go into a driveway and turn around. It seriously was like this the whole time. I drove around for an hour and a half and then I end up at the very far corner of this estate and this is over here. And you know what the road's called? Christie, Christie Road. Now, I didn't know that estate, but God led me to Christie Road. So I go into that road and there's some people in the, in the outside the house. I, I pulled down my window and said, hey, guys, do you know a Jack? He's a plumber. Does he live in this street? And they go, nah, I don't know a Jack. There's only a landscaper here. Oh, okay. All right, maybe Jack doesn't live in this street. So I start driving out again and I ring Melissa. I say, Melissa, I don't think he lives in this street. Can you think, you know, do you have anything else? And she says, no, look, I think it actually started with B. The name of the street started with B. But then this is what she said that blew me away. She said, but God's told me, because she listens to God. I know she does. And she said, no, you're going to it starts with B. And God's told me that he's outside washing his car. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Sure, sure, sure. That's so funny. All right. Well, I'm in. I'm hooked because if God can tell us that it's Christy, I mean, if if we say it's Christy and God leads me to Christy, and I don't even know this whole estate, but God can lead me to Christy, even though that's not where the guy lives. God can lead me to where this guy is because God is an awesome God, and nothing is impossible for God. I know it's not Christy, but I know God is going to take me to this guy. Like I'm having faith. I have lived in fear for way too long. I have lived carrying with comparison, with fear, and I've put my faith in fear and no more. I'm not going to waste any more of my life. I'm not going to live in fear. I am only going to live by listening to what God has to say and being obedient to what I hear. I know it's not going to be easy, but that is all that God calls us to do. So I go driving. I've got to look for a street now that starts with B. So I'm driving around and we're doing this. Okay, now, so I start driving down Harrison Way. So I see, I drive past Melissa's house. Hey, Melissa. But I didn't say hello at that point. I just drive past her. Go around here. There's a roundabout. I go through the roundabout, keep passing the roundabout. And the next street on the left is Cato. So I go down Cato. And at the end of that, there's a T intersection. It's called Belmore Road. Oh, B. Okay, beauty, I'm at a B street. wonder if he lives on this street. So then I turn left. So I go left and all of a sudden I come here and there's a, a house here um, with a car that looks like a, a, um, a, a tradies car. And I thought, wow, this might be his. You know, I didn't know what sort of car he drove, but I just thought a plumber. He's got to have sort of a tradies type car. So I sit outside and say, God, is this it? So what do I do? Okay, you've got to go and knock on the door. So I go in and knock on the door. And when I get to knock on the door, it says, please don't knock. (laughs) God, I'm trying to hear your voice here. I'm trying to be obedient. And you say, please don't knock. Like, what is that? Too bad. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. Knock, knock, knock. 
No answer. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. Okay, God, this isn't Jack's house, so I get out of the car. Get back and get in the car. By this time, my bladder is really full. So Melissa rings me and she says, we've just made, Chris has just made, I tell you, this guy is an awesome cook. Chris has just made pancakes. Come and have some breakfast. But, you know, I want to find Jack. I don't want to stop for breakfast. But it was God saying, no, you've got to stop for breakfast. Don't worry about Jack. I've got him. So we went in and I stopped for breakfast. Now I go in and tell Chris what's going on. And he goes, you know, that's like finding a needle in a haystack. I said, yeah, but God can find a needle in a haystack. Nothing's impossible for God. So anyway, we have, have pancakes and they were very delicious. Thank you, Chris. We finished and then Melissa says, oh, you know, I really feel that I should come with you. Right, cool. That's awesome. So let's go. And as we go around the corner to Cato, down to the end to the T, have a look at the screen. There is Jack washing his car. That is Jack washing his car. That is a needle in a haystack. That is God can do the impossible. That is listen to God and obey God's voice and God will move and he will change your life. I've been a Christian for so long and I have never in all those years experienced God and his love for me and his desire for me to hear his voice like I did yesterday and like I'm continuing to do. It doesn't stop there. There's a lot more that happened. The whole day was just, by the end of the day, I was shaking. I've had, I had, I think I had three hours sleep last night because God's still depositing stuff and telling me stuff. And I was sending messages to people right through the night. Oh my goodness. There's so much to do. God has so much for us to do. You know, it's all of us. It's not it's not me, you know, you're sending us off. We're nothing. We are a body. We all have a part to play. Every single one of you here is amazing and you have giftings that I don't have. You know, we all have a special part to play. I, I could go on, but I think that's it, all that I need to share. There's heaps more, but I can do that personally later, but we've had enough. So I want to go back to the word that I had that it's time to let go. And it's time to let God, you know, if you want to experience how amazing God is, I, I can't say, I have wasted so many years. So don't waste years of seeing how amazing God is and what he can do. Because God has said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. The devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. And if you're like me and sick and tired of living with the, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word, C-R-A-P, I just cannot encourage you enough. I can't encourage you enough to let it go. To let it go. So I just got to leave that with you. I suppose I'll just close and pray and then we'll just see what God does. So, Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you. You're just too awesome. I, I can't even describe you. And Lord, I've never felt this before, but I can only thank you. I can only thank you that you have good, good gifts for us and that you're a good, good father and that you just love us so much and you just want the best for us all. You want the best for Catalyst and every single person here. So God, if there's anyone here that has to let it go, that's sick and tired of dealing with stuff that's not of you, that's holding them up from being 
full on for you, 110%. God, just help them right now to let them go. Lord, you know, I know that pounding in the heart of when we have to do something. You know, maybe there's something that, that we have to say sorry to someone about or something. Look, I don't want anything in my life to stop me from being as close to you as possible. So thank you, Jesus. Amen.